Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's international break edition, we're talking all about Marco Verratti's impending departure. We're going to talk about PSG's spending spree and then look ahead to PSG's upcoming matches. And here to help me break it all down, once again, we've got Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Ethan, thanks so much for staying up late here on Sunday night. I guess the the Cowboys and Giants NFL game is kind of a bust. Last time I looked, it was 40 to nothing, so we may as well talk about PSG, right? Yeah, might as well. Um, Yeah, that game's not clearly a nail-biter, and I know neither of us are are Cowboys or Giants fans, so uh, yeah, let's talk PSG instead. Yeah, we'll get into PSG. We we couldn't reach Mark Damon. He's probably crying because he is a Giants fan and, and the Cowboys, as I said, are, are crushing them. So let's get into PSG and the real football. And let's talk about Marco Verratti because after 11 years with the club, he will depart PSG, according to Fabrizio Romano, who reported that uh, on Sunday earlier today. He's going to join Al Arabi of the Qatar Stars League. I had to Google that uh, for a reported 45 million euro. Um, Ethan, my first question to you, what is your take on Marco Verratti's departure from PSG? Oh man. Uh, my first take is that it, uh, it means the club is, is really serious about turning over a new leaf, uh, ushering in a new era. Uh, just, I don't, I think if we had guys like Leonardo that were still here back in the day or, or even the guys before him, you know, I, I'm a bit of a Leonardo downer. I'm not a big fan of him, but even the guys in the past would not have probably took this, uh, taking this approach with uh, someone who most would consider a club legend. But yeah, the club is really serious. I mean, we had heard rumors of that Luis Enrique may not love Verratti in his plans just because he's getting older. Some people are of the belief that he's been declining the last couple of years. And on top of that, um, it's you know there are rumors that Enrique just he may not think Verratti is the exact profile that he wants in the midfield, even though he's obviously a great player. So, but yeah, my my initial take on it is that uh, we are truly in a new era here, and I think that's uh, I don't think you could really uh, argue against that. No, you certainly can. I mean, if you were. Didn't think that before. It's definitely evident now. I think maybe Marquinhos is, other than Kylian Mbappe, of course, he might be the one lone standing player that you would consider maybe a PSG star that's left over from the the previous era that we're talking about. Um, my first, my biggest take here with Marco Verratti is I've been kind of beating the drum. I think at the, the beginning, maybe even before the transfer window opened, I said, PSG should listen listen to offers for Marco Verratti. And I, I caught a lot of flack for that. And I said, look, I mean, this is his injury record. He's, you know, 30 years old. He's kind of hot and cold. The the ability and the skill is there. Like, I, I get it. Like, when he's on his game, my fondest memory, I think, was a couple years ago uh, in the group stage, if I'm not mistaken, against Manchester City, where he was just unbelievable. And after the match, Pep was just going on and on about how amazing he was. You, you get performances like that, and then you get last season against Bayern Munich where he gives the ball away. He, he takes a lot of chances um, that aren't that you don't want to see a midfielder make and gives the ball away at times and just kind of plays dangerously on that knife's edge, if you will. And sometimes it's great, and we all celebrate, and sometimes it ends up really bad. And sometimes he gets a yellow card or a red card, and he's suspended. And like I said, with the injuries. And so he's just, for me, such a player that is, is very hot and cold. And, and I thought if PSG should listen to offers for him. And I said, for the right price, absolutely 
uh, PSG should, should let him go. I never thought $45 million. Um, I had someone reach out to me, and I, I want to pull up their uh, – let me see their, their, their name here. I might take a second here to find it. Um, but uh, it was um, at Alex Raffelli, and they said that 30 – for a midfielder who's 30 or older, 45 million is actually it's one of the highest fees for a player of his age, a midfielder. So I guess maybe if that is I'm, no reason to think that's not true. I guess it is good business. I was looking for something maybe um, higher than 60 million, but it's 45 million. Ethan, do you have any thoughts on on the transfer fee, especially being a Qatar club because it's really PSG selling to themselves? Do you find that to be a little curious? Well, I think we could have argued that it was curious if it had been for seventy million or more. Um, I think I have seen the exact guy that you're you're talking about that tweet of, and I did a little bit of research when I saw someone say that. Maybe it was um, exactly the guy Alex. I think you said his name was. Yeah, um, Alexander Raffelli. Yeah. Okay, I can't remember for sure if I had also had this conversation with him, but I, I did look into that, and I think there's only been two midfielders over the age of thirty that went for a fee of fifty million or more of all time. Um, I think Miralem Pjanic, if I'm seeing his last name right, was uh, one of them. And the second one, I cannot remember. But um, you're right. They, midfielders very rarely go for a big fee. But if, I'd imagine Messi would go for a big fee if PSG had an extra year and were able to sell him. Sure, right? Someone oh, would have paid. Yeah, but you, you'd probably qualify him as an attacker. Yeah. You know, even though, oh, yeah, okay, he, yeah, he did play more as a 10. So I don't know. He'd probably be classified as an attacker more. But uh, no, you're right. But yeah, Messi, uh, I do love the one funny thing about Messi's career is that he's pretty much never going to go for a, any transfer fee. Whereas Ronaldo, on the other hand, you know, the two goats, it's been completely opposite there. So um, kind of funny. But um, back to the, the point for PSG, it, it does look like, you know, solid business. I mean, it's just $5 million over what his uh, market value is listed on on most, most of these transfer websites. He's listed at $40 mil for most of those. And it's, I mean, like I said earlier, if if he went for 60 or more, I mean, we've already had people on Twitter saying, oh, he went to a Qatari club, you know, that's basically money laundering. But if it's for a fair price, then just like most of these Saudi deals, you know, Chelsea sold like three or four guys to Saudi Arabia. And I, I also want to criticize them for that. And they're, you know, they are just like us using their connections to sell Deadwood. but. I think where all these clubs are are doing really smart business is the fact that, you know, we're not selling Verratti for 80 million or um, Chelsea was not selling. I can't even think of someone they sold, but all the guys they sold were for around their market value. So you could really just say, hey, this is what about clubs were willing to pay. And especially I responded to someone on on Twitter, I think uh, this morning saying that and they, they were criticizing the whole, you know, we've, we're using uh, Qatar for money laundering sort of a deal. Um, and I did respond by saying he's had interest this window from other clubs. So, and we're going to get to that later, but it's, it's not like um, the, the Al-Arabi in, in Qatar was the only team that wanted him. So I, I don't think it's, I think it's a fair fee. Obviously we would have wanted more. You know, to to us who most of us love and cherish Verratti, he's worth more than forty five mil. So it's going to seem disappointing. But from another club's perspective, given his injuries, because anyone's got an injury history, it's going to be hard to sell him for a lot more than their market value. Um, we got lucky with Neymar, I think, 
So it's it is a fair fee, I think, all things considered. But you know, us we love we love variety, so we would have preferred to you know sell them for a lot more. But under the circumstances, this was probably this is about fair. Yeah, I mean, just hearing you and and the people on Twitter, maybe I was a little pie in the sky there, wanting eighty million for variety. Yeah, I think so we I all guess. were. Yeah. <laughs> Come back to earth a little bit. I guess you, you see the transfer fees coming out of Saudi Arabia and you're like, surely a Marco Verratti's got to be worth 60, 70, 80 million to them, but it just wasn't meant to be. So um, the one thing, as I just said, that I'd be willing to, to listen to offers and obviously Verratti's moving on. When you look at PSG's group, um, Champions League group, it's very difficult. And we know the injury bug always comes up and I'm not sure Verratti would love being Manuel Garte's backup but he is under contract do you think PSG maybe should have just kept him knowing how difficult this this group stage is going to be yeah it's a good point and some people will argue for it I'm sure but um, I I probably wouldn't have and we've kind of gone over this you've said it in the past we don't know the full story we'll probably figure this out in the coming months or maybe it might even take years but his, if, his first interview, he's going to say it was a, a nightmare. What, what did Neymar? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, living he said he's hell. living in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see if he does that. Highly doubt he'll do that. But um, I guess we'll find out if he was truly pushed out against his will, like it seems Neymar was, or if um, he actually was just kind of ready to, to settle down and get the bag. You know, I mean, he's... He's had a, a very successful career, all things given. You know, he he never won the Champions League, of course, but there are many great players who never won the Champions League. And, you know, a lot of fans around Europe, especially with those who didn't watch Liga at all, uh, we'll call him overrated. But I think those who watched him a lot uh, saw his talent at times. He he feels he's not quite the same vibe as, as Neymar. Um, I wouldn't say he's as talented a midfielder as Neymar was an attacker, but they felt kind of the same, you know, like. Injuries kind of hurt them. Um, lack of discipline at times kind of derailed their their play on the pitch. Um, but you know, in their prime, they were both elite elite players. So um, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's a weird thing. But I guess that's um, I guess this is just how it's going to be. Yes, it is. And we mentioned Neymar a couple of times, or I think you did. And I just want to throw out there, I thought it was interesting that he had some sort of hamstring injury or something that was preventing him from playing with uh, Al-Halal, his new team in the Saudi Pro League. But there he was for Brazil, scoring I said goals. The, I said the exact same thing on Twitter. All is well. And I said on Twitter, it was like, uh, yeah, he's been out for a month. He hasn't had his debut yet because he picked up a little injury, like you said. Um, but the... At this point of his career, it's pretty clear that he's not going to give 100% for his club, um, which, you know, I'm, it's, I personally don't like that, of course, because, you know, he was at my club, but um, he will give 100% for Brazil. That's for sure. And I do respect that, but um, you're right. It is a bit funny. And we, I think we talked about this just a couple uh, episodes ago or something like that. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing when he was out there for Brazil. I saw the starting lineup. Uh, I didn't watch the game, but I, I looked at it. And I was like, I wonder, you know, who's who's starting in Neymar's place. There he was. Just like, man, that's uh, yeah. The guy will give a hundred percent for Brazil, but um, yeah, I'm sure Alhalal probably don't love that. Let's get off of Neymar. He's no longer a PSG player. Um, let's wrap up Verratti, who 
I guess of right now is kind of still a PG player. I guess nothing's been finalized, hasn't been announced by the club yet. But do you, Ethan, do you consider, I guess you do because you mentioned it earlier, 11 goals, 61 assists for Verratti uh, in 416 appearances for PSG. It's not going to you know light the world on fire, but he does so much more than just goals and assists. So do you consider Verratti a club legend at PSG? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, my criteria for a, 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 what, what makes a PSG legend is um, I think longevity is key. I don't think there's a lot of guys outside of uh, Rai uh, who played with us in the mid-90s, the you know former Brazil captain, a World Cup winner. He only played at PSG five years. Uh, he is about the only exception, I think, to that to that criteria in my head of of longevity. So if you played at PSG for seven, eight plus years, and you have a you know great career there, then you're definitely up in contention. And I think Verratti definitely fits that. I also think for me, it's you've got to have tougher criteria for what a legend is in the QSI era because just there's so much more money. We've had so many, so much more resources to attracting and signing talents so for that reason you know i don't rate a lot of guys from the uh, the qsi era as club legends um i would say tiago silva's one i'd probably say zlatan as well uh, mbappe will probably yeah he'll be considered a legend just because he's the all-time top scorer for the club but um outside of that i'm probably just forgetting one or two guys but maybe cavani i'd throw cavani in there you could say cavani i just don't like the way he left the club but yeah. um i won't go over that but uh but on top of those guys and you know like i said i could be forgetting one or two uh Verratti is the only other guy that i'd probably consider a club legend blaze my tweety one of my favorites yeah 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 but um i mean Verratti is second in all-time appearances for the club he'll get past this season by marquinhos barring an injury but I mean, 416 games. I mean, only uh, Jean-Marc Pillerget, uh has more at 435. And um, I'm glad you said his last name because I just pulled it up too. I'm like, how am I going to Yeah, Jean-Marc Pillerget, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he still uh, is around. The, I've heard that he's uh, still kind of around the club every once in a while. So uh, if I'm remembering that right, I could be wrong. But you know, I don't spend a bunch of time in Paris. But um, no, Verratti, I think he has to be considered a club legend. Um, Everything that he's done, just his his legacy, you know, um, he's got flack from the ultras. But you know, let's be fair: who hasn't? Everyone but Mbappe, essentially. Um, and yeah, I just I think all things considered, by my criteria, he he does fit the bill. So I want to know: do you have a different take on mm-hmm. that, or you have different criteria for what you consider a club legend? Or I I've never really bought into that whole premise. I I see it's the club. It's the club and the players come in and the players leave. I don't really get attached to players. There's only been maybe a handful. I mentioned Matuidi is one of my favorites. Zlatan is one of my favorites. And sure, you maybe call them club legends. But I think, you know, Kylian Mbappe, if you're like, if you have a stat like leading scorer, all-time scorer for a club, then I think that makes you a club legend. You got to have something like that. Most appearances, I think, would, would certainly qualify. So Verratti is close to that. Um, and so, yeah, I think maybe he, he's probably right on that edge. I probably would consider him one, but you know, my overall take on it is it's really, you, you got to do something exponential to be seen in my eyes as a 
kind of a, a club legend or a player that will be remembered forever. Um, but it, it does have to be said that he signed plenty of contract, you know, new contracts and extensions with the club. He never really was a player that caused a lot of issues um, behind the scenes. You know, he's living his lifestyle. We know he likes to have a cigarette from time to time. We know he likes to, to get out and enjoy the lifestyle a little bit. Um, but he, he it was never on the level of maybe Neymar in some instances, so he never really rocked the club in that way, or it was a distraction. Um, so overall, I would say he was he was a very good player for the club. Again, hot and cold his performances, but yeah, I think if we're gonna open up and say who's a club legend, I, I would probably throw Verratti in there. I think so. Now, do you think he'll get a send off? There's been some talk about whether PSG should do that, and if it's wrong if they don't. But any thoughts on the send off? Um. Well, he'll definitely get Instagram posts and and, yeah. s- and videos and stuff. As far as a send off where he's actually physically in the stadium, I'm still gonna guess yes. We only play we play on Friday. On Friday against Nice, yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, he could fly to Doha, sign the papers, come back, do the send off, and then you know, in a week's time, he could really start training there. So. It's going to take him a while to be match fit anyway. He hasn't played a competitive match for us since last season, you know, the final match of the season. Yeah, so well, he wasn't included in the uh, Italian national team. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, he didn't so. play this. He was he was uh, Chile in France this whole international break. You know, he was at the Stade de France for the opening of the Rugby World Cup a couple of days ago. He put, he put on his Instagram. So, um, yeah, he's just been chilling in Paris so far. So I... I do think that they're going to do something at the stadium for him, um, as long as he wants to, of course. But um, some people don't think we are, um, but I think we will. And I want to re- reiterate or go back on your point real quick that you said. Um, I think it's a great point that uh, the the way that you kind of view club legends where, you know, I would say there's maybe 10 PSG club legends, Whereas you would probably put that number a lot smaller, I'm guessing, based on what you were saying. So yeah, I yeah, do like very, that. Very and, few, and I do like that you have it more club focused. I mean, I'm the same way. I'm not very attached to many players. I mean, Mbappe has been my favorite player, um, a French player at the club for a while. It's probably Warren Zaire Emery now, but um, but like if he's going to leave, it's I'm not going to be devastated by any one player leaving. So I do get that because at the end of the day, I mean. You're right. It is It is all about the club. And we have seen more this year that it is really money-centered. I mean, there are very few guys that are playing, you know, 95% or more for the badge. You know, you're not going to see, I mean, you're, not, you're probably not going to see like Ronaldo go back to sporting at this point. Or you're probably not going to see Messi at uh, Newell's. What was that? Is that the name of the club? Newell's All Boys in Argentina. So, um, yeah, the money is is definitely a factor, even to, you know, the even the the most pure uh, of you know people of pure intentions. So I don't know. Just wanted to touch on that, but I, I think that's a kind of a good um, good explanation that you gave for it. It's all about the team. It's all about PSG. Players will come and go. Um, but you you know to wrap this one up, Mbappe I do see as a club legend. He's he's from the city, all time goal scorer. Um, that's why I think it would hurt if he leaves. I think that's why we're all trying to hold on to him as long as we can. Uh, let's keep it moving, Ethan. Um, there was a report. We had this up on PSGtalk.com, and I thought it was interesting. Um, and, and our report was referencing a report from Lequeep. So it stated that Bayern, Chelsea, Barcelona, 
They were all interested in Marco Verratti and they wanted to ideally work out a loan deal with PSG. Um, however, PSG, they only wanted a permanent transfer. So what does this tell you? Should Marco Verratti um, had should he have insisted on a loan to stay in Europe? Why do you think PSG only wanted a permanent deal? What do you what do you think's going on here? Yeah, those are good questions. And like you said, yeah, I, I do like the financial side of it. Definitely not um, an expert. I often wish that I had access to the club's finances so I could see all this myself. But obviously, I'm never going to be able to see that. Uh, <laughs> but um, why he went well, first off, he's he's got three years left on his PSG contract. And so if we loan him, then if if there's no mandatory buy option, he's almost surely just going to be back here next year probably with kind of a sour taste in his mouth about the club, um, especially if he really enjoys his time at whichever club we loaned him out to. Uh, second is if we had given him to City or Bayern, we're just handing a midfielder over for you know no guaranteed money, um, like a very good midfielder that's probably going to be playing against us in the Champions League. It would have been just like if we had sold Neymar to another club in Europe. It's like we're just asking for him to score a hat trick on us in the quarterfinals or the round of 16. Kind of Luckily, so, that's never happened to PSG. Former players never come back and score against oh, us. Oh, never. So no, that's I've, ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know who Kingsley Coleman is. I've never heard of that guy in my life. Um, the um, But yeah, so that's, that's another thing. Uh, they don't want to be giving uh, strength to another European contender. Um, and lastly, I mean, it just goes along with, he's got three, he had three years left. If we sell him for good, we know we're getting money in our pocket right now. We're saving, you know, his salary is estimated at 14 and a half million. We're saving whatever that is times three for, you know, through the rest of his contract, plus whatever loyalty bonuses and stuff he would have earned. So we were saving, I'm trying to do quick math in my head, at least 45 million from all that kind of stuff by selling him now, um, plus whatever the transfer fee is. So I get that we wouldn't want to equip another European contender with Marco Verratti, which you know, we don't know if he's going to stay healthy, but you don't want to risk it. I mean, watch watch him go to Bayern, and that's the most injury-free season of his career. I mean, we've seen, we've seen the physique that guys that go to Bayern have, you know, after a year or two there. They, those guys become absolutely jacked. And, uh, the Bayern bodybuilders. Yeah, just imagine a, a jacked Marco Verratti against us, um, you know, and, and we have to go to Allianz Arena and Marco Verratti's just looking absolutely swole as hell. I don't want to see that. I don't want to go up against that. Um, swole Marco Verratti. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's such, it's such a funny idea. I'm just imagining him. Because he's a fit guy, but imagine him, like, really. You've seen those photos of Robert Lewandowski where he's just – yeah. He's looking yeah. just really defined, and it's all so, beefed up. Yeah, yeah. It's no, like, I don't, man, I don't want any parts of that. I don't. Yeah, I don't want that. So, um, I get. That, yeah, we don't want to give him to a rival, and then especially just the the guaranteed money that we're saving and getting on him by selling him on a you know permanent uh, you know transfer. That's just. I get that. It, it, I think we may have entertained offers if one of those clubs had come up with sixty five million for him. You know, kind of the thing where it's like he's got three years left. We don't have to sell him. We'll sell him to a country, you know, to a country that's we're never going to play in the Champions League. But if you want him really bad, you're going to have to really overpay. So that's really the only scenario I would have seen. I think if City or Bayern came up with 65, 70 million, we're probably taking that. But since, you know, we're, we're earning much less, you know, 45 about, but we're never going to have to play against him. That's, you know, 
probably worth. And I just don't think any of those teams submitted an offer that big. I just think we probably said, hey, you're going to need to pay at least 60. All these teams just went, well, hell no, we're not, we're not going to you know, shell that out for him. So that's what I would guess kind of happened. I do think it's interesting that Verratti didn't at least push for that Chelsea loan. If that's something that was on the table and possible, they're not in the Champions League. And if I'm Marco Verratti, I'm like, hey, I'm still in my prime, still playing well. Um, why wouldn't you want to go to the Premier League and try to re, you know, build up your stock a little bit and, and see if you, maybe it turns into a permanent deal? Maybe you put a clause like that in or something. But Chelsea seems like it could have worked out. You're not selling him to a direct Champions League competitor this season. Also, you know, with Barcelona, help me uh, think back here because there was around before Neymar came, wasn't there? some rumors that they were trying to sign Verratti and that's when he had to do that apology video was Luis Enrique the manager at Barcelona then I think he was oh gosh I can't remember when that year was but someone listening will will have to correct us but if if true it's odd that now that Luis Enrique is here that he's like uh you know Marco Verratti can't play in my team um Either 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 Luis Enrique yeah. wasn't there, or shows you that maybe Marco Verratti has really fallen off. So yeah, and um, that, we could say yeah. the same case for Neymar because he had Neymar on those teams, of course. But um, yeah, if if you were right in saying it was before Neymar arrived, then that must have been when Luis Enrique was there. So um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's that is a weird case. I was thinking about that. How these two guys that Luis Enrique, you know, wanted to have slash keep on his team. Back in 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. um, now he's saying no to him. But I don't know. It's it's odd. But I, I think I just want to touch on the the Chelsea bit that you said. Yeah. Um, just like how Neymar was wanting to go to Barcelona more than than Saudi Arabia, I just I think that even if Verratti had really wanted to, we were just probably never going to accept a, a, a bid for from Chelsea. Uh, they probably, if they even bid at all, which I'm, I'm just going to guess they didn't, it was probably nowhere near what we wanted. So just like the Neymar case, I'm going to guess that the club probably strong-armed him a little bit into going to this league outside of Europe. So that would just be my guess. But Yeah, and I was able to look up while you were chatting there. So Verratti's apology was back in tw- the summer of 2017. And he apologized yeah. about, um, you know, he, he still, the, the first thing that comes up, Verratti forced to record video still wants Barcelona switch. And that was July, early July of 2017. Uh, Luis Enrique announced on March, uh, March 1st, 2017, that he would not continue as manager after June 30th. So yeah, it was like, Luis Enrique left Barcelona. Then there was the rumors that Verratti might go there. What's interesting is that Luis Enrique would have, right? He would have managed against PSG in the, you know, the six-one yeah. devastation. So maybe he he saw all he needed to see of Verratti then, and then he came to PSG now and is like, nothing's changed. He's not part of my plans. It's right. I mean, it's certainly yeah, possible it happened that way. Did that report that Enrique said that he was leaving Barcelona at the end of the? Because I'm pretty sure uh, La Remontada the six one. I think it was on March eighth or March seventh. Did you say he said that on March first? 
Yeah, so it says here on March 1st, it is Wikipedia, so who knows, but March 1st, okay. 2017, Enrique announced that he would not continue as team manager after June 30th uh, okay. on the expiration of his contract. Oh, so he announced weird. He, he, yeah. Okay, so if, if I'm doing my, if I'm remembering it right, he said that he wasn't going to continue as manager after he lost 4-0 four, four to us two weeks mm. prior, and then a week later, he schools us in the 6-1 but he still didn't stay. That's just so interesting. Yeah. If that's well, how the I mean, timing worked out. He, he went on to uh, manage Spain. So maybe he had a feeling that maybe he would get the call for that. And that's the job he wanted, but it is interesting. He would have, you know, managed against Verratti, saw him up close. And, and now from all reports, he he's not, Verratti is not part of his plans at all. So Luis Enrique knows football. He's won a champions league. He's won more trophies than, uh, or bigger trophies than Marco Verratti. So that kind of tells you something about maybe where Marco Verratti's game is at right now, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think it goes back to the thing where, you know, we were saying maybe maybe Verratti really wanted to go to Chelsea or he wanted to go, you know, stay in Europe. But there's also equally great a chance that he was just ready to kick back and he'll probably earn, I don't know, like 30, 40 million in Qatar. They'll probably make sure that it's untaxed. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, here he's only bringing home eight million net a season. I say only. I know that's how wow. can you afford to live? Oh on my it? gosh, how? <laughs> no, but you know, in comparison, eight compared to thirty or forty or whatever he's going to end up making, it's just a big jump. And he can just spend two years there, make bank, and then come back to Europe or do whatever he wants. So maybe he just doesn't have the desire anymore. I think, I think the fact that money, you know, players can get paid so big going outside of Europe now, it's just a bit of a factor where it's like, well, if I feel that I've accomplished a lot, I'm satisfied with my career and I want to go and make that bag so that my future generations don't have to work nearly as hard, then they're going to take it. So I don't know. It's interesting. Let's wrap up Marco Verratti because his move is really the end to what's been an incredible transfer window for PSG. Uh, we mentioned, you know, I think once the Verratti deal gets done, that PSG or Chelsea may have a higher net spend. But right now, without the Verratti deal, I think PSG have a higher net spend than Chelsea, which is sort of hard to believe given their high-profile signings and how much money they're throwing around. So, Ethan, look ahead to the January transfer window. What do you think gets done there? Because um, you got to start planning for that window kind of now. Do you think we'll see more departures than arrivals? Do you think PSG probably are done spending in any kind of significant way for a while? Yeah, I could see, and you are right. Uh, we do have three million more net spend than Chelsea right now, but that'll go down. We're actually second in the world in net spend right now. Before this happens, the only team that's above us is one of the Saudi teams. I think it's Al Halal who bought yeah, Neymar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after the the Neymar sale, we'll probably be like fifth or sixth in that in that uh, list. But for the for the winner, I'm just gonna guess. I think that we're gonna loan out or maybe even sell. Maybe we'll get him sold. Uh, Hugo Ekatike. Um, we we know if you guys have followed, we kind of saw how weird that was at the on deadline day, where he could have gone to Frankfurt. They wanted him. He seemed to have said no. He wanted to go to the Premier League, but yeah. then it all fell through. I think Ekatike is leaving at least on loan, maybe for you know, on a permanent transfer. I think we're also going to see someone like someone like Soler or Ruiz. I'm going to go with one of those two. 
Whichever one of them falls more out of favor and gets a lot less playing time than the other. Solaire. Solaire would be my choice. I, I would Ruiz, guess Solaire. I think. Yeah. I, I would guess Solaire. And yeah, Ruiz has been a lot better than Solaire last season and this season. But um, I think he's going to leave on loan uh, as well. So I think as far as incoming, I think we might see one loan move. You know how we tried to get Hakim Ziyech at the end of last year? Maybe we'll see something like that where there's a there's a older player that he might not, you know, contribute a bunch, but we're going to give him a little bit of a chance and we'll try and bring him in and he's at a club where he's getting no playing time sort of a thing. We might see one of those, but as far as player sales, I think since our wage bill was so high a couple of years ago because FFP basically didn't exist from COVID and the club obviously took that in, you know, used took advantage of that and you know, got Messi and Ramos and all these guys and no club in the world without rich owners could have done that. So I think now that FFP, their new rules are coming back into effect and I think they've started this year. We know that we kind of have to tone back the spending now and, and put it back to levels that were, that we were seeing pre COVID, which we were at a good spot pre COVID. Our wage bill was never near the highest in the world before, uh, before that. So I think we're just slowly working towards that. So I wouldn't expect any more big salary signings. Um, I'm a little surprised we're actually even paying Dembele as much as we are. It's reported that we're paying him 36 mil a year, which is half of what Mbappe is making. So that surprised me. But other than that, it's been a trend of going back to what things were like pre-COVID. And I wouldn't expect that to change. So I, I, I'm going to guess no big signing in the summer or the, sorry, the winter window. Yeah, I'm with you. No big signings. Um, looks like we tried to get rid of Draxler to a Qatar team, and man, we just can't get rid of that guy. I mean, I feel like it's going to be like 2030 or something. He's still going to be around somehow. He's going to forge someone's signature on a contract. Oh my gosh! If get I mean, an extension, that would be incredible because his contract ends this this season. So if he stays, if he stays <laughs> past this season. I apologize if that was loud for anyone to the mic. I kind of laughed and it was loud. No, but, you're fine. He's, he's um, currently practicing. He's like copying Nasser's signature. He's trying oh to. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah he's, he's working on it. He, he, oh, there's no way he's leaving that. He, uh, you know, I've been watching the show with my fiance recently. It's an old show. It's called White Collar. The, mm-hmm. the premise is this, this, you know, the best forger of all time. Uh, and he's oh. this stunning guy. Uh, I think it's uh, Matt Bomer's the actor. But anyway, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm learning all these techniques of Oh, he here's how we would forge checks and stuff and forge signatures. And uh, if Draxler wants to stay really bad, I bet he's also watching White Collar at the same time I am. So um, anything to stay at PSG, I guess. I mean, we know how much that guy loves <laughs> loves the city. I don't know. He almost can't put anything past him. Maybe he is uh, studying all that kind of stuff. I, I'm on the team store because I'm curious. Can you order... A Draxler oh my gosh. shirt. Don't Let's do it, Let's just Ed. see here. If Don't you're do listening, it, see. He's even listed I here as can. an option. I, no. No? He's been scrubbed from the team store. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to look into it, but maybe he actually is. You know, because he's still got a chance to go to Qatar. The window's open for another week. So... <laughs> It's incredible. Uh, but yeah. for, for January, I, Draxler aside, I could see maybe um, there was a weird rumor about Danilo maybe moving on to a, a Turkish club. And I was like, absolutely not. I saw like that, he's, yeah. he's incredible. I don't think he'll go. Mm-mm. So I don't even know if we'll see that many departures. I, 
feeling pretty good about the team right now. I'm, I'm really looking forward to like that January shortly after looking forward to a uh, president Kempembe. We've seen him um, working out, getting fit again. So hopefully we can get him back. But yeah, I think for a while, at least that PSG are probably done with any big transfers uh, coming in, which I think is a good thing. Um, I think the team is really good. We need stability. Let's keep the manager. Let's keep the team. Let's let's build something here. So happy with that. Uh, Ethan, let's move on to the last one because I want to look ahead. Last question. I want to look ahead to PSG's upcoming fixtures. We mentioned it starts this Friday. Uh, PSG are hosting Nice, which we were talking before we started recording here that like we don't understand how Nice can never get past like sixth or get into like a Champions League spot because they have a really, really good team. But that aside, um, I want to mention that uh, another Marco, Marco Asensio, who was injured in Spain's win over Georgia, uh, reports are hinting that the, the foot injury is a little bit more serious than expected. Could keep him out for a month, maybe two. I want to get your thoughts on that injury um, because I think it, it probably makes Luis Enrique's squad selection a little bit easier because he's probably been one of the most informed players for PSG. But with Nice, Dortmund, Marseille all waiting for PSG this month, what are you expecting from PSG? So touch on Asensio's injury and then looking ahead to the fixtures we got coming up. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't see Asensio's injury. I, I haven't been watching any games outside of the U.S. and France uh, this international window. But, um, I mean... It's it's times like this where we're thankful that we've got options on the bench. How are you um, not watching Spain Georgia? Uh, oh yeah, real <laughs> nail biter. I think it ended seven one. Um, yeah. Although I think uh, I think Asensio and maybe Fabian Ruiz also. I think they both got assists that game, if mm. I'm remembering. But anyway, um, yeah. So we this is uh, you know this is exactly what we're talking about. Of of we want to have depth. We've got options, and Asensio's been a great false nine so far. Really surprised me. I didn't expect him to be doing this well, but now I'm very interested to see how Luis Enrique is is going to choose between using Gonzalo Ramos and Randall Colomani. He's going to have both of those guys as options up uh, at the top of attack. So it'll be really, yeah, because we've got tough matches coming up. Like you said, Nice, Marseille, Dortmund, I think, are all in the yeah. next three weeks and so you mentioned ramos are, but barcola as well he, he could play yeah, on the wing yeah exactly if we if we need wingers because asensio yeah has moved a, in preseason he was playing as a, a winger a little bit as well so i don't know it'll, it'll be interesting um but this is yeah it does make Luis enrique's job a little easier i i want to see gonzalo ramos i just think as soon as he finds his rhythm he's going to be phenomenal um, but you know we've we've talked about this before. We got strength and diversity now. So um, I just hope that Enrique is fully, you know, if he's still got it as far as tactically, which I think he does. Um, if he's still got it tactically, then it'll be interesting to see when he's going to use Ramos, when he's going to use Colmuani. Um, Hell, might even throw Mbappe up top, like as a. I doubt he'll put him up as like a true nine, but you know. But that that's the thing we'll see we really don't know exactly what to expect we can guess but only only he knows what we're going to be doing so um i still feel good about it we've still got great options on the bench so um yeah anything i know that was a pretty vague answer for me but anything no i i mean me? i think i think you're right it makes his job a little bit easier i think uh Colomani was going to come back he's he's healthy i think we all anticipate him probably leading the attack as a striker and then 
um, Debele on the wing. That's who I think is probably going to be your front three with Ramos and Barcola on the bench as kind of super subs. Bring them in in the second half if you need a little spark of energy. Uh, Dembele doesn't seem like he can play a full 90 quite yet. And I don't know if the plan is to, to play him. I think one thing for PSG looking at the, the schedule is the biggest, the, the toughest and biggest games are at home. So that's going to make it a little bit easier on you. Um, Dortmund's got to come to the park on September 19th. Marseille's going to come to the park on September 24th. Those are the two back-to-back just massive, massive games. you got to get off to a good start in this group stage. you got to take care of business against Dortmund. They're probably the weakest in the group. That's how difficult this group's going to be at home. This is a must-win. I, I hate to say this early in the season, but Dortmund at home in the Champions League group stage, it's a must win. Yeah, those that's a good point. And that is good that you noted that both games are at home. I, I didn't know that. So um, that will be a help uh, to us. But um, you're right. It's we, we don't usually have a beginning of the season as interesting as this. So, you know, we've seen in the past, we've walked through Champions League group stages. Or, you know, just pretty comfortably got second. But this is a group where if we slack off, we won't we won't be in the round of 16. So 100%. Um, I don't know, though. I do agree with you that Dortmund's probably the weakest team in the group. They're probably um, the most attacking. I mean, the Bundesliga is just big attacking league. Yeah. So if, if we're going to counterattack on, on any of the teams in our group, it'll probably be them. Whereas I don't see us doing that against AC Milan, who's their defensive structure seems to probably be a lot more sound. So, yeah, I mean, if we come out of both those games and the team's looking real fluid, looking real good, um, just like you, you were saying about Dembele, if he can't play a full 90, then that's where I'm thinking uh, Kolomani could could come in on the wing for him. And if we need someone else up top, then Gonzalo Ramos, of course, would probably start in that case. And that would be some some good strength. I mean, if we've got Colomani and Mbappe as inside forwards playing on the wing, that is, those are pretty dang good options to have. So yeah. if, if that's how it works out, we come out of both those games with, you know, three goals in each game and all three points from both of them, then there's just going to be an insane amount of optimism around, around the club. I know our fan base will be really, really pumped. So I hope on they the make it happen. Side. Yeah, on the flip side, if Dortmund comes into our house and beats us, you know, that's not going to be good. And then same thing with Marseille. We know they're the rivals and they're, you know, we're going to be battling. Marseille has nothing to play for other than to beat PSG, win league on. That's all they have. And so they, they are going to give it their all. Whereas coming, we know historically in the QSI era, coming off a big Champions League night, the next match, we just lay an egg. So, man. If it goes bad against Dortmund and then we come out not focused against Marseille, who is going to be, they're going to be hyped for that game. They're going to be up for it. I, they could come into our, the park and just smack us around. And it could, this could, these games could go very well for PSG, or it could be, you know, you draw at Nice, you lose to Dortmund, lose to Marseille. Suddenly you're, you're behind the sticks here to use an NFL reference there. I mean, you, it's going to be an uphill battle um, in Ligue 1 and the Champions League group stage. So I would say, got to win you got to win draw maybe one of those games at worst but um hopefully Luis Enrique he's got the experience hopefully we can get it done uh Ethan any final thoughts on that or anything else any of the Marcos we talked about today any final thoughts uh no I don't, I don't think so but um as as I've been saying the last couple episodes exciting times up ahead 
Um, like you said earlier, stability is the key. If we go through a rough patch here after the international break, let's not panic. People love to panic. People love to overreact. Um, this is, you know, week one of the NFL regular season. It just started. And I'm always talking about how the overreactions in week one are ridiculous. Let's not do the same thing here with PSG. We're essentially, you know, we're going to be not even 10% of the season, you know, through the season at this point after these games. Let's just trust the process. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling good about all of it. I'm getting nervous. I've been doing this too long, Ethan. I see October 4th, you know, we're going to St. James's Park. I'm getting nervous. My highs are never, too, you know, super high and my lows are never too low. So even after La Ramontada, mm-hmm. uh six years ago or so, I was like, man, this is rough. But <laughs> I, I was not on the ledge sort of thing. I, I was very bummed, of course. We all were. But so I'll, I'll try. I'll try and be a voice of reason. Um, I know that's not often amazing for podcasts, uh, just because it's good to hear crazy, uh, crazy takes and full of excitement. But sure. uh, if I'm just being dead honest with you guys, um, I'm not the most exciting personality at times. But I will try and be a voice of reason. Well, that's all we can ask of you. Thank you so much, Ethan. Appreciate that. Um, thank you all for listening to this podcast episode hope you enjoy it make sure you subscribe leave us a a review if you can wherever you're listening to this we'd appreciate that check out psgtalk.com we got all the latest on international stuff and transfer and marco variety and all that good stuff and check us out over on substack Uh, we should be getting uh, jonathan johnson's article up tomorrow he'll have a new piece i'll sure i'll write something leading up to these big games and um as always we'll be doing more podcasts so thanks for listening we'll catch you next time bye everyone